Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. If you cannot accept all of the love that I have to give, then you can buy me another drink, but that's it. That's it. I'm going to be shouting to men on Franklin Avenue. Love isn't something that weak people do. Seven, eight. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Talking Ship Podcast, brought to you by the Believe Podcast Network. I'm Megan Fitzgerald, and this show is part TV review, TV fandom, and part relationship review, relationship fandom. We look at the relationships from TV that made us feel things, and we use those fictional couples to frame very non-fictional relationship themes that come up in our real lives. And this week, we're talking about a couple that made us feel all sorts of things in all sorts of places. We're talking Fleabag and Hot Priest from Phoebe Waller-Bridge's Fleabag. And spoiler alert, if you haven't watched, the theme we're talking about today is the idea of a soulmate that you are not supposed to be with. Oof. So, of course, we're drinking, and of course, to talk about this show, I had to bring back the biggest Phoebe Waller-Bridge fan I know, someone who has gone through enough therapy to understand boundaries and healthy choices, but is still capable of sexualizing the clergy. Welcome back, Cat Belafonte. Wow. I feel so seen right now. Yeah. And I think we should probably share our text exchange about this before we go any further, which is maybe going to out us as um, the basic bitches we are, but I'm okay with Mm -hmm. that. Yeah, go for uh, it. I texted Megan after this rewatch and I said, I don't mean to be dramatic, but this round of Fleabag rewatch has changed me. And I said, I don't need to be basic, but it really hit different this time. (laughs) So um, get ready because I'll probably cry. I feel like it's like, the four agreements or something where it's like every time you pick it up you uh-huh. hear exactly you <laughs> and it's exactly what you need to 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 know to learn in that moment mm-hmm. i'm obsessed with this show i think it is a perfect season of television uh I you agree. and i both both mm-hmm. think that uh the last time i rewatched it was after my zoom relationship ended watched oh it God. the whole thing in a night um if he's listening i did like you uh <laughs> <laughs> but, but it'll friends. pass. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but you aren't my hot priest. Uh, <laughs> basically, I'm obsessed with the show and Phoebe Waller-Bridge and this podcast. So I'm stoked to be here. I am so excited. There's truly nobody else. And I agree. This rewatch for me just like highlighted a lot of things I've been thinking about as a romantic person who hosts a podcast about relationships as somebody who like really believes in like the magic of love and somebody who is like actively trying a little bit to date and to get good at it 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 really it it hit different as as the kids say it slapped okay so before we get into today's relationship topic and start grappling with the idea that we might not end up with the people we have the sexiest moments of our lives with. Um, I just want you to expand a little bit on your relationship to this show and I'll do the same and like why we love it and what we think about Flea and Priest. Because for me, I think, you know, and I watch a lot of TV romance, obviously, like 
But there's something about the style of this show. And I think because the audience is in on her most personal thoughts, her most personal thoughts are articulated. I thought it was just like such like a highly effective and touching way to watch somebody fall in love, to experience somebody fall in love. And it was so nice to have somebody as like quick and funny as she is Mm -hmm. speak Mm -hmm. to those little moments we feel when a crush becomes something real. Like everything from like, ooh, arm touch to uh, like, oh, his beautiful neck to when she's like volunteering, when you're doing something you would never normally do to be around your crush, like when she volunteers at the church and she turns to the camera and goes, shut up. Like it... (laughs) Those moments are so real, and it was so nice and cathartic to watch her go through it, especially because we got to know her so well as a character over season one. Um, And even though this situation is, like, so high stakes in that, like, he is a priest, and that is an obstacle that is written into this show, it's so well written that at certain points I forgot that. Like, it almost felt universal it almost felt like this is what it is to fall for somebody who truly gets you with the huge twist that you can't be with them so i but i fully agree with her opening line like this is a love story yeah i everything you just said was beautiful i i agree with the magic the catharsis of watching her fall in love and letting us in on it as she does And also, this is what really hit me this time. Uh, Watching her allow herself to actually be seen for the first time since Boo's death. Mm -hmm. That that hit, I think, because we're all going through a grieving period right now. That's true. Uh, Yeah. So maybe that's why or I don't know. Maybe that that's just really resonated with me this time around. Um, I have to bring up the, the most incredible romantic, sexy, forbidden moment when they first break the physical barrier. And it's Mm. the most brilliant scene. She's in a confessional and she's avoided being vulnerable this whole time. And then finally, I mean, every at least woman, if not man, can relate to the tell me what to do monologue when she's in a confessional. It's so brilliant. And then she bears her soul. And he's like, you know what? That was enough for me. And asks her to kneel. And they have like the most epic like coming together of bodies mm-hmm. in a yes. spiritual literally in a literally. church kind of way which i think is that's like every woman's fantasy right to like bear your fantasy. soul and then a man be like that's sexy and i want you that's a good reading on it because when i watched it actually this time i was like because i know some people don't like that scene for the reason of she bears her soul and then he takes like sexual advantage of it i think yes. i have like an insecurity that when I like am really vulnerable and open that I become less sexually desirable. Interesting. So watching her do that and then become more sexually more desirable, sexually desirable. That's like, huge. I, but I, I I enjoy that take on it. That that helps me justify it to myself because I was like they do kind of have a point that like she bears her soul and then he is like Neil. But I think because he's not any other guy who's right. like I'm going to take advantage of you of in this moment, and because she's not any other woman right it works because she's actually doing the thing that is the hardest for her to do and isn't rejected for it as you said okay all right great thank you so much that helped and you know i'm i'm always one for a little bit of a forbidden romance we've said we're Mm -hmm. sirens before we'll say it again uh Mm -hmm. 
Although now I'm thinking that we actually might be on the hero's journeys and these men are our sirens. Watching, okay, so my, my last point and why I love this so much is yes, it's like forbidden, but it's not forbidden in the way of like she's fucking someone over. Exactly. And I think that is also what makes it a little bit more palpable, even though he's a priest. It's mm-hmm. not like what she did with Boo's boyfriend. Yeah. She's not fucking anyone except for maybe God, as the therapist suggests. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense to me. I like that. However, even without this very strong writing tactic of there being a, a huge reason why you cannot be with somebody, I think there are still a lot of ways where you can be in a flea and priest situation, even if you're not making out in a church. So we're going to go into them with relatable content. You may be in a, a flea and priest situation if you feel inspired to grow by the other person and or led to question how you're showing up in life. Well, yeah, we just really dove right into the deep end. Uh, you may be in a flea and priest situation if you manage to get through your life by employing a series of defense mechanisms. And suddenly someone comes along who sees through all of them and can call you on your bullshit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that one hit this time, too. You may be in a flea and priest situation if you effortlessly oscillate between quippy banter and depth. Yeah. And you may be in a flea and priest situation if you meet your soulmate or a soulmate along your journey, but they've already committed their life to something or someone else. And similar to that one, you may be in a flea and priest situation if you meet the right person for you when the timing is right for you, but the timing is wrong for them. (sighs) That one? That one? Oof. I know. That is a... A theme, a theme in my life right now. Yep, 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 yep. I know. Wow, wow. Yeah, and you knew it too. (laughs) I know. Not to stab you in the middle of your heart, but um, (laughs) if one of us doesn't cry by the end of this, then we did not do our jobs. (laughs) I know, exactly. Oh, this is why this is why this is a drinking episode. The drinking episodes are the ones where like we're really bearing awe. And it was also in service to the GNTs of the show exactly or you know communion um drinking the blood of christ but we're drinking white wine because as we've said we're basic exactly yeah so we're honoring the show and ourselves all right let's get into the relationship topic of the day which is the soulmate that you're not supposed to be with and i think we should start by we've done it before on this podcast and you and I have done it before when we talked about the OC, but let's start with defining soulmate. Kat, what does a soulmate mean to you? So yes, we definitely talked about this with Seth and Summer, we OC, and I do still believe they are soulmates. Since then, I've been even more on a woo-woo energy kick. I would like to bring up a couple of things in in thinking about my definition of soulmate this time. Mm -hmm. I think you can have a soulmate and you can have a compatible life partner. And a compatible life partner is not necessarily your soulmate. Mm-hmm. You can have a twin flame, which a twin flame for all you non-woo-woos out there. It's like two halves of one soul. So that gets toxic, codependent. That's when it's like, I can't breathe without the other person. Right, right. A soulmate, I believe, are two souls, separate souls that come together for something bigger than themselves. Mm. They fully see each other. They expand each other. And they inspire the other person to be the best version of themselves. I like that. 
I like that a lot. Yeah. (laughs) And so my definition of a soulmate is very similar to yours, which is I think it's someone who recognizes your soul, appreciates your soul, and teaches you something that moves your soul forward in some meaningful way. Mm. Moving your soul forward. I love Mm -hmm. that. Yeah, which I mean, speaks, I think, to your, you come together for something bigger than yourself. So let's talk about the ways in which we think flea and priest are soulmates. So let's let's like break down our def- our shared kind of definitions and talk about why we think that they are because I think we need to establish that they are mm-hmm. in order to make the argument of like why it's okay to not be with your soulmate. Right, right, right. You know what I mean? Yes. So, okay. So let's start with seeing some like recognizing someone's soul because i think part of why this romance is so striking is because he immediately sees her exactly when she needs to be seen and that is so meaningful to her and is intoxicating like for anybody especially i think when you're not used to being seen or understood in the first episode, the dinner, that dinner episode, which I think is in the top 10 episodes of television ever, yep, yep. she makes a joke that like to us, the audience, that nobody's asked her a question in 45 minutes. And then he turns to her and asks her a question. Brilliant. Granted, the bar is truly, it's brilliantly written, but granted, the bar is like truly on the floor if our definition of a soulmate is somebody who like takes interest in our life. Right. Um, but the bar is pretty think, close to being there at the moment. I mean, but. yeah, we're kicking it around on the floor, on the floor. But I think that moment is there to show us the audience this is somebody who immediately recognizes her as a full interesting person not just a sexual object not just a damaged person Mm -hmm. not just a hot mess a full human and that is what she needed and it's what we all need right from from our soulmates be them romantic or plutonic it's what we need from people in our lives and what it's so hard to find someone that can see all of that Exactly. And and appreciate it. Like he's immediately drawn. Yeah. 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 And he's immediately drawn to her and interested in her because of these things. Right. Which leads to kind of him like following her and the moment I'm going to bring up for the second part of seeing your soul, which is like the less sweet version, but still very necessary. And this is why I like the word like recognize your soul is that this is a person who can also call you on your shit. And they just do it more acutely than other people in a way where it actually lands. Because we all have people that like like to be like, I'm just going to call you on your shit. And I'm just the, the friend that calls you on your shit. But it, I can't stop. I have to stop saying this phrase. But it hits different <laughs> when it's coming from somebody like this. It, it's the way that he does it that it, it really affects her more. Like when he throws the like, fuck you then in the first episode when they're smoking because she Mm -hmm. refuses to answer him. I just think it works so well because this is her whole arc, right? This is her whole arc of the season. Mm -hmm. She's distanced herself from everyone in her life in order to deal with all of the pain from her mom's death and Boo's death. Because of this distancing, her best and kind of only friends have become us, the audience, who are not grounded in the real world. In this little moment, he calls out exactly what her damage is by being like, fuck you then for not engaging with me a like full person who's standing in front of you trying to make a connection with you and so i think somebody that can like see your see your bullshit and like say something about it in a way that isn't petty and isn't a colloquialism like something that really and like self-interested and like i feel like exactly like so patronizing sometimes 
Yes. Or like, yeah. I know you better than you know you. Like, there's like a manipulative exactly. way to do it. That happens yeah. a lot. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And this is, yeah, this is not that. And I think because she's been shut down and rejected so many times, it's like, we all want to open up and share. But right. then we put up enough walls that we're just like, no, I'm not going to give you that. Mm-hmm. And he asked for it again and again. So then he continues to call her out. The first time that he notices her turning to the camera is the moment when they're outside on his bench. And mm-hmm. then it continues the with the fox. <laughs> yeah, which is also yeah. an, an incredible side thing that they have going on. Yeah. Uh, just just love it. But I think when everything really changes is in the cafe when he keeps not letting her off the hook. Fun, fun aside. I, I have the Fleabag manuscript and I, I looked up this scene and I opened the manuscript to the exact page where this scene was. So if the- woo woo. Woo woo. That's uh um, that's God. That's that is or my hot or whatever you believe somewhere. In. Yeah. yeah exactly. <laughs> that was my yeah. higher power uh woo woo energy. Anyways, so here you watch, he keeps trying to change the subject when he's actually asking her vulnerable questions about her life and her family. And he won't let her do the normal charming redirect bullshit. And he won't let mm-hmm. her escape and have the fun audience asides, which keep her from being fully present and vulnerable. And then he's finally like, I'm just trying to get to know you. And she's like, well, I don't want that. And, you know, he's also a flawed person. He doesn't navigate it perfectly. And he's like, well, I want right. to help. And no woman is like, I want to be helped. Unless the, yeah. they're in that like broken, like help me phase, which hopefully we've right. all aged out of. Um, then, though, this is the scene that then we see her have all the flashbacks to her mom's right. funeral to Boo. Mm-hmm. And that's when we see the big moments where she's saying about her mom to Boo. I don't know what to do with it with all the love that I have for her. And Boo mm-hmm. says, well, you can just give it to me. That's what I think is the crux of what the hot priest reignites for Fleabag. It opens her back up to the possibility of sharing her big love with other people. Right. Right. And I think that's such a huge thing of like the soulmate thing is like, what are you struggling with? And what does this person challenge you to do? And and the other thing is like, he's unafraid to challenge her to do it. And he cares enough to do it. And I think like it builds throughout the season how much he sees her. And we see this like in what they talk about and how much she reveals. And we also see it just like as a well-written plot device because it starts with like, he's just kind of like, where'd you go? No, you like disappeared for a minute when she talks to us. And then he can like hear what she's saying to us. And then at one point he looks exactly to the camera. He's like able to see it. That's just like a little appreciation for the craftsmanships of the show itself. But like, we need what you're saying in that scene. Like we need somebody who sees through our shit. Like we need it so badly. Mm-hmm. Not even necessarily as like the person I think that we have to spend the rest of our life with. Like, I don't know that that's a life partner, the person who constantly sees through us. But I think at certain points in our life, we need that person. And because of, as you explain what she's dealing with, he's exactly who she needed to open herself back up to love again right exactly and that's the moving your soul forward that right. i like it, exactly and before we like really dive into that just one point i think boo is a soulmate mm-hmm. you know i mean you mentioned this earlier you can have a friend soulmate you can have i believe that there can be di- many different soulmates and boo took up this space of a soulmate for her and then when boo died she didn't let anyone back into that space until mm-hmm. Hot Priest comes along 
and is like, no, like open yourself back up and like show your full vibrant self, which includes all of that pain. But also mm-hmm. what I think in him seeing all of her is it's all of her light too. And, yeah. you know, like we see in the first scene and what you were talking about in, in season one, everyone's like dismissing her and like dim your light, you know, like you're too much. Then at the start of the season, though, she's done a lot of self-work and she's running the yeah. cafe and she's got her shit together. And I also think that's the perfect timing her for Hot Priest to come in and yeah. be like, yo, like shine, you know, she to lo- love exactly in the way that you're exactly how you are right now i was having this conversation with a friend where i think we're all like we're all like doing the work on ourselves and yeah uh, in therapy and it's like you know you can be in therapy i've been in therapy for six years but it's something different practicing it in relationship mm-hmm. and i think that's mm-hmm. an important part of growing is like growing yeah. i think there's a difference between like i need this person to fix me and i'm going to grow in relation and she's ready it- now to grow in relation to someone else. Exactly. Exactly. I'm glad you're bringing that up because what I like, I think the relationship could have teetered into like him fixing her. Right. And that's why I think it's so important that there has been a year between season one and season two. And she's like very sure that she's like, no, I'm actually good. And a lot of like what she was dealing with in season one has been dealt with. The arc of the season, maybe more articulately said, is what you said is like, is her putting it into practice, is is now being in the state where she can let somebody in, mm-hmm. let somebody in. And I think you can be closed off to that for so many different reasons. Like hers is obviously she's dealing with Boo's death, but it also could be that like you're closed off from a previous relationship that really right. messed you up or being raised in a way that didn't um that was not healthy and open and Mm -hmm. supported vulnerability and then somebody comes along that it is worth continuing to work Mm -hmm. to be with them and continuing to like let yourself shine Mm -hmm. as you said should we move on to the speech yeah yeah we should i need you to know that i shared this as my yoga quote at the end of my my zoom class on friday and I didn't know how Incredible. to <laughs> I didn't know how to credit it. So I was like, and this quote is by the hot priest in Fleabag, written by Phoebe Waller Bridge. <laughs> Jennifer was like, you could have just said Phoebe Waller Bridge. I was like, they needed <laughs> to know the context. Okay? They needed to know. All right, so here's the speech. Love is awful. It's awful. It's painful. It's frightening. It makes you doubt yourself. Judge yourself. Distance yourself from the other people in your life. Makes you selfish. Makes you creepy. Makes you obsessed with your hair. Makes you cruel. Makes you say and do things you never thought you would do. There's something wrong with your priest. It's all any of us want, and it's hell when we get there. So no wonder it's something we don't want to do on our own. I was taught if we're born with love, then life is about choosing the right place to put it. People talk about that a lot, it feeling right. When it feels right, it's easy. But I'm not sure that's true. It takes strength to know what's right. And love isn't something that weak people do. Being a romantic takes a hell of a lot of hope. I think what they mean is when you find somebody that you love, it feels like hope. I think this whole speech is for her, which is partially just comedic brilliance because none of the speech is for Olivia Coleman on her wedding day. It's just brilliant. (laughs) 
I didn't even think about and, that. That's so yeah. funny. <laughs> it has nothing to do with her. This whole wedding, it, like, I know she's, like, kind of the villain, but, like, this wedding is also my worst nightmare. And if anybody decided to get divorced at my wedding, I would also send them to the kitchen. Um, so this whole speech is for her. And I think it's an, and it, it's doing multiple things. In a lot of ways, it is, I think, confirming that, like, he chooses God that's part of why love is awful and his dedication to love is awful. And it makes you do things you don't want to do and doubt yourself, etc. But I think in a lot of ways, it's like also summarizing what I think he was put on this world to teach her. And that is to teach her. I now I'm not even liking the word teach, but like to draw out of her mm-hmm, mm-hmm. maybe is a better way to put it because you love so much. That is what makes you special. And it is also what makes it hurt so much because you're right. Love is awful in the same way that earlier in the season, she's like, people are awful. People are the worst. And the woman in the bar Mm -hmm. is like, yes, but people are all we've got. And chills. God. (laughs) I think what he's telling her is it is because you love that makes you brave and strong. And it is because you love that I know that you are strong enough to continue to let people back into your world because love isn't something that weak people do. Yeah, this is this was pretty much my big revelation, which we'll get into a little bit later, um, mm-hmm. personally. But wow. Um, and it's also so brilliantly written because her dad finally opens mm-hmm. up to her right before this. And he mm-hmm. tells her, I think you know how to love better than any of us. That's why you find it all so painful. And then right. it's just confirmed in the hot hot priest speech yeah and all of just again now we're just gonna talk about the show for a second but like claire choosing love too exactly and like claire who's so practical and like does the most impractical thing of all which is literally run through an airport like exactly i think has to be brave yeah yeah that's what's so brilliant about this too at the end is when she opens herself back up to loving everyone around her does too and Claire opens herself up to Fleabag when she's like, oh, you're the only person I would run through the airport to. And like, they've never had a moment mm-hmm. like that. Yeah. And yeah. Even the father like and he's like, you know, she's she's not everyone's cup of tea. Cup or, of tea yeah. But he still chooses to try. That's that all of that is brave. And I think when I think that's like that idea of when you shine, it gives other people permission to shine as well yeah oh god (laughs) i know (laughs) okay megan and i are gonna have a um very interesting night out after this i know i like that we were like let's do this and then we'll be ready to like go out on the town and meet men and we're also now we're gonna be like (laughs) are you my hot priest doubt yeah downing gin and tonics and being like do you see me shine can you tell that i'm shining because i'm shining which is allowing you to provision design and if you don't see that i don't think this is gonna work out if you cannot accept all of the love that i have to give then you can buy me another drink but that's it that's it i'm gonna be shouting shouting to men on franklin avenue love isn't something that weak people do (laughs) okay so Phoebe Waller-Bridge brilliantly builds in this obstacle to the relationship because he is a priest and his big love is God. So he truly cannot be with her by choosing God. 
However, if you do not have this convenient device that gives you a black or white yes or no, how do you know that this is somebody that you should move on from? That this is a hot priest and fleabag situation and leaving is the right choice or moving on is the right choice? So taking it away from um, the priest situation, long term, I think it's the question of do your paths align or is there a potential Mm. for them to align? And in this case, it's clear that they don't. And I think that is something that's very relatable, especially as we you know, continue to break down the patriarchy and their space for both people to pursue full lives um, mm-hmm. in any type of relationship. Mm-hmm. And then it's more possible for two people to want something different long term. So here, you know, Priest is, is steadfast and sure in his commitment enough to know that he doesn't have the space to give all of his love to God and to Fleabag. And that would not be fair to either thing person mm-hmm. being that's well said yeah and so i think a lot of us do have an idea of a calling and i think there is space most times for there to be hopefully a relationship a big relationship and a calling right but there are certain logistics that might conflict <clears throat> i my calling you know like we're we're trying to be actors if if we're if we met a soulmate who was like i need to live in Omaha what Mm -hmm. you know it's like you have to give one up and I think if you're very sure I I don't want to pursue my calling anymore maybe it's not a full calling maybe it's an idea of a calling then that's one thing but if you're giving up something that big I think there's a difference between sacrifice and compromise Mm because compromise is is huge in relationships of course but you know if you want kids and your partner doesn't then, you know, that's like what you were talking about in, in Bridgerton episode. Then you're giving up a part of your identity for someone else. That doesn't feel like a soulmate to me. That feels like a it can't work out situation. It's like it's at least not a life partner. You know what I mean? It's not a soulmate that can last. It, it, exactly. I'm so sorry. It sounded like I was dying for a second. <laughs> <laughs> and Go we ahead. are. And we are. Uh, no, that's that's a good clarification because, yeah, we, we do... both agree on this idea of soulmates who might be for a time but might Mm -hmm. not be compatible life partners and yeah so these are things to i guess look for if you're wondering is this person a soulmate long term or a a soulmate for a time right and i think what's hard is that you have to be really honest with yourself Mm. about that Mm -hmm. and i think we can get so caught up in the like the romance of it the like making out in the church or whatever that moment is to you that you can kind of turn on the blinders of like the logistics of the rest of your life and i've said this before about when i have a crush on somebody and they are in a committed relationship or they've made some choice let's like expand it for the purposes of this conversation they've made some choice that doesn't allow them to be with me I can analyze that to shreds of like why they should not be with that person or why they should not make that choice but I think if I'm being honest with myself and if we're all being with honest with ourselves we have to think a bit more deeply about is that the right choice for this person? Even if it's not the choice that I like, is it the right choice? And even if it doesn't feel like the most like romantic or spontaneous, like maybe there, I don't know, maybe there are people out there that are like, he should have left the church for her. But like, that's actually not romantic. Like sacrifice is not always romantic. Sometimes it is the opposite. 
And I think the idea that he would have done that to her, even though, sure, in the moment, I was like, oh, my God, she's not going to get her, quote, unquote, happy ending, was devastating. It wouldn't have sat right with any of us if he had left the church for her because he loved it so much. Like, he's all, they give him this whole speech where he's like, the first time I went to Rome and I, like, got my little clergy outfit and I wasn't even allowed to wear it yet. Like, he loves this. Yeah. And so I think we have to be honest with ourselves. Like, are you asking somebody to give up something that is actually right for them? Right. Exactly. Exactly. All right. Now. Now we we drink. Now we take a little sip to get into uh, our own experiences. Yeah, this is, uh, well, we've both got some big things to share and i have got some big yeah, revelations because- i'm so excited for your revelations mine's like a story and yours are revelations yeah, so um we, not we to get too biblical about thoughts. it but <laughs> <laughs> yeah oh okay i can't believe this i mean but we you and i refer to this story as my it'll pass story so you uh, have to sh- it would be rude not to um, I'm just like nervous. I am nervous to share this one, but like, I guess with everything I share, I'm like, if he really wanted to have this conversation, this is what I would have. This is the conversation we had if we really wanted to get honest. And you're being brave. Hand me a black jumpsuit. I'm being brave. All right. So here's the story. I don't know if this person is a necessarily a soulmate, or at least I don't know. I, as we've discussed, they're definitely not. They're probably not an, a, a viable life partner option. Right. Right. Um. But I've had a very hard time moving on from this person because we have had so many of these incredibly romantic moments. And because I do feel like sometimes we have that soulmate thing mm-hmm. of seeing each other exactly when we needed to be seen. I think sometimes when you have all of these moments with someone, you're like, this person can't not be my person. I can't Mm. almost have sex with you in a confessional booth in a Catholic church and then have you not be my person. That's just too good of a moment to not lead to Mm. you're my forever. So here's my example of this is that all right. Anyone who's ever worked at a restaurant or worked retail knows that there's something very sacred about closing a restaurant. And it already feels like there's all of these rituals to it anyways. And sometimes you just want to get the fuck out of there. And sometimes you indulge in the ritual and you want to stay and you want to hang. And on this particular evening, this person and I were the only two people there And he did not rush out, which felt rare for him. Mm -hmm. And I was kind of like, oh, why don't you have to go? And he was like, oh, well, my girlfriend's out of town. So I can actually like stay and have a drink. I just for the rest of my life will never forget the tension of this evening. And just like the cinematic setting, because we had to, only one light was on in the whole place because we had to look closed. And I we didn't were know like that detail. Stand- yeah, yeah, yeah. So just imagine wow. one, one light. And we're standing six feet apart, diagonally, leaning over a counter, just like perfect stage direction. And it had this like built-in dramatic device of like every single time we got to a bottom of a glass of alcohol. I had a moment of like, okay, it's over. Like the night is over because there was no reason to stay. The restaurant was closed and he'd finish a glass or I'd finish a glass. And there would be this moment of like, okay, is it going to end? And then 
he would fill up his glass or open another bottle of wine. And so this night keeps going and going with this dramatic device built in. And we just end up, we talk about everything. We talk about what we want out of life, our families, his relationships, our goals, our regrets. And there's a point where he goes, Megan, I'm so jealous of you because you know exactly what you want. And I go, you don't? And he says, no, I've never known. And that's the problem. There's just like a long silence. And so now five hours later, we're there for five hours standing, might I add, for five hours. Oh, my God. But it didn't didn't matter because, you know, it was just great. And so now it's 4 a.m. and we like stumble out and we're waiting for our cars and we hug and it's a long hug. And as we all know, that's my only move is a really long hug. And we come out of the hug. And he like looks him in the eye and he says, Megan, and I say, I know. Ugh. And we got in the Ubers. Every time it <laughs> Because, and my thing is like, that's all I could say. Of course. Is I know. Even though it sounds dr- very dramatic and I'm like, I'm trying to make my life into a movie. But like, I know felt like the only thing in the moment because it was like, I know. Like, I know that this can't happen. I know that you still care about me mm-hmm. deeply. I know that if things were different, things would be different. I know it was an incredible evening, but it doesn't change anything. All of this to say, like, this is my it'll pass moment because I don't actually think in reality it would work. But God, sometimes it is so hard to let it pass because it feels like it would be so good if it did work. Right. Well, the subtext of that, I know. I mean, (laughs) well, that is a that's not acting 101. I'll tell you that. Uh, I think that is your it'll pass moment but i also minus the physical you know the making out feel like it's your moment where they're like before he gives the speech because i think oh when she's out smoking and they're they she knows and he knows and they have their last like and it was so clear in this watch i was like oh they they both know this is this is it yeah and i think the knowing like this is kind of like the moment and then it won't be that heightened tension of it makes it more romantic and hot and special and all of those things somehow Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and those things still matter which i'll get to in a minute exactly exactly and and here's and here's my soapbox let me just climb right on up it and Mm -hmm. tell you my revelation this watch um number one is i don't i don't think i've had an it'll pass moment and i don't think i've had a, a hot priest soulmate if you asked me this, even like three months ago, um, yeah, I, like when we were recording the OC, <laughs> I would probably tell you that that mm-hmm. was like a person close to a soulmate that wasn't supposed to be in my life. Yeah. And now, my big revelation is it, that's that that wasn't it. <laughs> I, I oh, I'm so glad. Yeah, I think I've I've romanticized. Uh, there, there's like two two specific guys. That I've romanticized enough that I've convinced myself at times for a long time that they were my hot priests. Mm. But in them continuing to reappear, it wasn't in a love way. It wasn't in a romance way, but it was more of an addictive type of way. 
Mm. So it feels almost like sacrilegious to compare it to Fleabag and Hot Priest. And I'm at a point now in this watch where I'm too old and I'm too confident to try to make that comparison. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Okay. Uh, (laughs) uh, You know, it's like the guy who was sitting in my seat on on an airplane. Maybe he was like my lawyer from Fleabag. You know, he was like a Mm -hmm. good time and uh, many times. Like they they got they had great chemistry. The guy that you know that I'm talking about who popped in and out of my life for three years with so many seemingly big dramatic moments and almost apologies and like weird family connection stuff. At the end of the day, uh, not my hot priest because we didn't have a bench. We didn't have we didn't have an it'll pass moment. We didn't have mm-hmm. an I know moment because neither of us ever actually had the courage to be vulnerable. I have put this and. If you listen to the OC season, I have put this saga on a pedestal for so long and I'm, mm. I'm finally ready to take it off, put it in the basement where it belongs and open myself. Up. I'd rather have someone come into my life for one week that is opening and expansive than an, a lingering addiction for for years. So uh, that's. This is huge. I'm so happy. For I know. You. I know. I know. It really, it really is huge. I can't wait to tell my therapist. I mean, wow. <laughs> She's going to be so excited. She's like, really? So all you had to do was like watch six hours of television and you for the eighth this time. Uh, <laughs> yeah. This is like uh, when I like took shrooms, it was like the same thing. Remember, I told you I had all these revelations. Yeah. This mm-hmm. was my shrooms of the spring season. Uh, yeah. Was this oh, relaunch. good. Fleabag, Fleabag season two, round eight is <laughs> the same is thing pretty as much, doing shrooms. Yeah, yeah, I would prescribe that to someone any day. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> Oi. Yeah. I'm so glad. I had, I had revelations about this season, this season two that I'll share in a second because we're going to end the episode with the classic question, do you ship it? And I think we should look at this in two ways. One is like, and I think we've already answered this, but like just to acknowledge it, like, was there any part of us that like thought they should have ended up together at the end? And if not, why are we happy with how it ended and what did it mean? And then kind of like to answer in the second way too, like, do you ship people having this type of person in your life? Do you support it? So this was what was so huge for me in watching this season is like, Because maybe at first watch, me as a human who like loves rom-coms and happy endings, like maybe would have wanted them to end up together. But ultimately, I think it is it is the fact that they do not that makes it such an amazing love story. And I think the danger of being someone who makes this podcast or who listens to this podcast, who loves rom-coms and loves TV romance, who believes that truly if there is any magic in this world, it it is the magic that exists when we fall in love. And people like this, people like me, experience these moments the way that somebody sees you, that truly sees you to your soul, mm-hmm. or a conversation that gets to you, or a kiss, or like a fuck that like takes your breath away or is so good that you feel like it actually might change you as a person what's that like these uh, i saw through space and time in a moment for a moment those big kisses or even you know as i said these big you know evenings that turn into mornings moments and we take these moments and we equate them to this must mean we belong together Mm -hmm. and i have done this (laughs) 
so many times. Mm -hmm. And what I love about this show is that it provides a second, probably much healthier option that grants us the permission to keep on being romantics, but maybe doesn't ask us to hang on for quite so long. Because she gives us this perfect romance where the perfect ending is that they don't belong together. And it's still a perfect love story because they learned so much from each other and gave each other exactly what they needed in that moment. Because she was able to leave at the end and she was able to leave us, the audience, behind and go and engage with the world. And I think that this is the reality of so many great loves and true soulmates in our lives is that like it was romantic and it did mean something. It did change you and they may have been a soulmate and you're not crazy for thinking that. And the fact that you don't end up together doesn't negate the fact that it was this incredible thing that like, I mean, I just think these moments like these little loves and these little loves of our lives, like the fact that they happen, that you're in the right place at the right time to even experience mm. this, even for an evening, even for a week, even for mm. a few months, is is an everyday miracle that you get to feel something this big and this deep. And sometimes there are just circumstances that make it clear that you're not going to be together forever. And that is fine. And it doesn't diminish what you had and what you have. Mm-hmm. And it will hurt but it will pass. Well, that was goddamn beautiful. Um, Not to be to uh, this too shall pass, uh, aka what everybody had written on their backpacks in high school about it. But but they had a point. Um, uh, but they had a point. <laughs> well, they weren't wrong. Uh, mm-hmm. And I know I said this at the beginning. I don't mean to be dramatic again about this rewatch, but it did reaffirm my faith in love. What? was also very interesting, which I, I touched upon before, was noticing that it was not watching two broken people save each other. Mm-hmm. They were fully human. They were flawed. But it, right. it was not a you saved me type of situation. It was also so refreshing to watch someone in their 30s fall in love. Mm-hmm. I'll say that as I'm approaching the big 3-0. Um, <sighs> Every time, like, a 22-year-old is like, and I've never experienced love, and I've closed myself off, I'm like, a bitch, you know, just like, why? <laughs> what have you gone through to make you do that? <laughs> you don't deserve love yet. Uh, yeah. No, everyone deserves love all the time. I take it back. Um, what I loved this time was watching the, what I touched upon earlier, them give each other permission to shine brighter. Also, as someone who often fears being too much especially like as a funny woman uh (laughs) watching her fall in love and everyone around her still being like you're like too much and him being like no that's why I love you Mm -hmm. that was so special and you know the encouragement of like no love more take up more space one moment that caught my attention this time was when he comes over and they do have sex and she mm-hmm. was planning to fuck the lawyer. He knows that's happening. And he accepts it. Right. No man would do that. <laughs> no. He's not like, oh, man, now you're so much of a mess for me. It, it, exactly. It's like he knows that she's a full, fully developed woman who also has sexual desires and urges and 
they're not in a relationship or exclude you know and then his full acceptance of that and what you were saying about how the show acknowledges like fully feeling love and celebrating that love whether it's reciprocated or not whether it works out or not that was exactly what I needed to hear this time because I feel like personally like I've spent so long like apologizing for big feelings Mm -hmm. and for having big feelings especially if they weren't reciprocated but watching her at this point for being so closed off to then her sitting on the bench knowing after he had already said it was God her take damn and then you know I I fucking love you like that's so brave and beautiful Mm -hmm. and I think it's we don't see that and not needing him to respond. And that's the bravest part of it all. I think I agree is being like, I'm going to say it because I, because this is the truth of how I feel. And I know that it probably won't make a difference, but loving is brave. Exactly. And so I'm going to do it. Exactly. You know, a lot of times it's like the more we push it down, the the longer it takes for it to pass, you Mm -hmm. know, but like fully acknowledging it. I mean, I, one of my favorite yoga teachers always in camel when we're like after camel, it's like the big heart opener of class Yeah, is like reminds us, you know, like no feeling is final. So like feel, feel mm. the feeling. And it's like, you know, you feel it on an inhale and then even on an exhale, things start to shift and like it might come back, but like letting yourself fully experiencing it and then feel like it passed through you. This show is a, a totally like an homage to that. Yeah, You know, it reminds me of that Rilke quote. You know, it's like, let everything happen to you. Beauty and terror just keep going. No feeling is final. And that's, you know, he gives her the permission to feel her pain and her love. And to keep going on this earth being that version of herself, being that version of herself that feels deeply and and who loves. Exactly. Because, whatever, being a romantic takes a hell of a lot of work. So this this one's to all of you out there that are probably someone who's taking the time to listen to this and and who believes in love and romance and and all of those things is that it is hard and not everybody is going to be able to do it right yeah all right so but let's say that you are someone who you know has to move on that it's you've met the person that's not your soulmate how do you think you should handle this situation while you wait for it to pass. I mean, I think the biggest thing is is what we were just saying is like, don't beat yourself up for being this person. Right. Like, don't beat yourself up for like being brave enough to love despite knowing that it might work out because that's all relationships. Right. Being a romantic takes a hell of a lot of hope. And so be proud of the person that you are because it takes a lot more strength to be that person. Yeah, I mean, I was literally just having this conversation with a friend last night where her ex popped back up they're a bit more twin flamey i'd say or they are soulmates who cannot be together and she laid her heart out in these texts and was like i can't talk to you for da 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 i have so much love for you we cannot communicate and a month later he sent this like very like here's something that you know i've been trying not to reach out but here's something i've been working on for the past two years it's just like unreal. It's just like so absurd. And she felt so embarrassed. And I was like, no, it's so embarrassing for him. And because mm-hmm. I've been her for three years, 
with situations of being like, why do I have this feeling? And it's like, no, we're you're brave enough to put your feelings out there. You know, that's what you were saying is not to beat yourself up, to feel like even more special because so many people don't have that much love. Mm-hmm. So if you're in a place where you're feeling a big feeling, like even if it's really painful, that's so special that you can feel that much. My Republican brother jokes all the time about how he has no feelings. And I know that's not true, but <laughs> it's like wh- that's not something to celebrate. What also feels like hope at the end of this watch, especially, is you don't get the sense that this is going to break Fleabag. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's like she's broken exactly. more open yeah. by this love, but. You see her walk away. She shakes her head. I don't. She doesn't need the audience anymore. Right. She has her her statue. Now that she knows that it's inspired by her mom, she's ready to her like mom. have that mm-hmm. love. Then it's not like fix you that plays. <laughs> it's the right. <laughs> it's as much as I do love that song. It's the Alabama Shake song, and it's you know I've been having a, me a real hard time, but it feels so nice to know that I'm gonna be all right. And that's the only really modern song I think that plays, right? Like pretty much point. the yeah. whole season, well, and that's that's a feeling of hope because you don't get the sense, which I've done so many times, that she's gonna try to run and change Hot Priest's mind. Now she can take all of this into her next relationship. So I think the the big advice is sometimes the most romantic thing you can do is walk away, and um. One story, uh, I you know, I've done a lot of reading on this. So mm-hmm. when she originally wrote it, she was like, I don't know if he's going to say I love you back. Mm. And when they shot it, Andrew Scott was like, I have to say I love you, too. He was the one who insisted on that oh. being in there. And I think that's what's so special is he does love her. That's what's, you know, in your moment, like there is like a type of love there. There, there is something what you were just saying it doesn't diminish it right right the fact that you don't get to be together doesn't make it not something that you should feel deeply and hold in your heart as something special exactly. and transformative and meaningful exactly yeah and and i think what we all deserve is somebody who is willing to be brave and vulnerable enough to share in that feeling and that's why I think your person is not your hot priest. Not because it wasn't this thing that meant something because it did mean something to you. And it was this like thing that affected you deeply and you had these moments that were real, but he isn't specifically your hot priest because he wasn't willing to do that for you. And you deserve exactly. that. Yeah. And we all do. <laughs> and we all do. Wow. <sighs> all right. Kat, do, would you like to share your social medias and um, projects you have going on right I, now so people can continue to hear you and learn from you? <laughs> I would love to. Uh, my social medias are at Kat Belenfante on Instagram and Twitter. And my my um, project right now is a podcast called Love Criminal. Check us out uh, anywhere so good. you listen to podcasts and on Instagram at lovecriminal underscore the pod. And yeah, if you're romantic and things haven't worked out for you, I think you'll like this podcast. Yes, it is the perfect audience for everybody <laughs> listening to this. It is like just to hype you, Thank you. a Thank little you. bit more. <laughs> it is like two um, women investigating uh, a breakup, a la like a very serial um, status. And, um, you know, if you're a 
person existing in this world who has like dated, uh, you'll relate in some way. If you've ever been like closure, that's something I think I can find and then realize it's a myth. Um, you might relate. Amazing. Uh, so go to check those out. You can find me at only making 815. You can find the podcast at talking ship podcast. And I know everyone has so many like feelings about this show and we want to hear them. So go ahead and send them to us. Um, and let's continue to talk about Fleabag and Priest and what it taught us, what this perfect season of television taught all of us. I hope everyone has as big of revelations as Megan and I have. Uh. Yeah, you might have to watch it multiple times, apparently, to get there. Um, but but it happened. All right. And tune in every Thursday as we continue to discuss fictional relationships and how they relate to our non-fictional lives. We will see you then. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.